No, you should be. Really, 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 you should be. So, um, since it's a Saturday and it's not the Lord's Day, even though we're going to have time together and we're going to uh, see how we get together, we have a couple questions, and um, I intentionally wrote the sermon shorter to answer questions. Uh, if you weren't with us in the meeting back there before, um, I was just talking, 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 talking. Um, they'd ask me a simple question, and I gave them a 45-minute sermon per question. Um, and, and that's just how I do things. So I was like, I'll write it real quick. Some of you are like, oh, no, it's already Saturday night, and he's already talking. Um, but I promise I'll be sort of concise in what we're talking about. Uh, but before we do anything, um, we always need to pray. I know we just did, but we can never get enough of that anyway. So let's uh, bow our heads one more time, and uh, we'll get to work here together. Father God, we come here tonight, Lord, um, for several things. First and foremost, Lord, no matter if it be Saturday or Sunday, Lord, we always praise you. We always are here to be with you, to know you, to be in you, to be able to sit underneath your word, whether it be Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, in private with others. We are here to know you. We are here to grow in you. We are here to be more and more like your son. So Lord, that is our hope, that we would come together as a group this evening in order to learn, in order to grow, and we might get to know one another better, but most importantly, know you better. And it's in Jesus' name we all said, amen. So if you do have your Bibles, I did give them the verse to put on the screen. We're going to be in Colossians 1, Colossians chapter 1. So your phone, Bible, or you can just look up here on there. And Colossians is one of those uh, chapters, and, or regular books rather, that I'm in a lot. Uh, it's not a very big one, and it's also one of those books that if you flip through your Bibles a couple times, because if you have tabs in your Bibles, you're cheating, right? You should be able just to know it, all right? Even me, I was in the car trying to put my ribbon in it, and I was like going, where is Colossians, right? Um, but it's in there, and it's a very important book, and it's a very good book. All of them are good, and there's things in Colossians that I thought, you know what, this might be neat just for a small thing for us to do on a Saturday night. So I always was going to pick out right here, because this is one of those verses, if you grew up in the church like I grew up in church, you'd always hear people talk about like their life verses. I don't know if you have the thing when you were growing up, it was with me. People always had like their life verse, and it was always one of those things when someone would ask you, if you didn't memorize scripture, you just kind of panicked and walked away. Um, But this is one of those verses, little sections of scripture that I love. Um, And I think it's one of those things that we should know very well. And it's simple. Um, The gospel is simple. The gospel is simple for your children to know. My son understands it. My kids understand the gospel. It's simple for them to know what the gospel is, right? Uh, You are dead in sin. You need Christ to give you life. And he did that on a cross, right? So you need to have Christ and be known in Christ through that. Gospel is simple. Bible's a lot harder. Uh, Bible's a lot more difficult. But this little section here, and we wanted to kind of walk through this together that we might, I don't know, fill up a little bit. Fill up a little bit into your week. You're going to start tomorrow. Fill up a lot tomorrow on the Lord's Day, but just to fill up a little. So in verse 15, he starts, he says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Awesome. All things. All things were created by Christ and for Christ. Everything, including uh, mosquitoes, including everything. Everything's included. We always like to think that God only created like the cool stuff and the nice stuff and then everything else kind of trickled through snakes. That's not God, right? Everything was created by God. 
And not only was it created by him, it was created through him and for him. You are created for Christ. The people that don't even love Christ, don't know Christ, don't belong to Christ, they still belong to Christ. That's crazy. All things were made by him. I love hearing the stories that Jesus talks about, just the world and nature that he created. Even when he was going down into Jerusalem to be crucified, and the Pharisees went around him as he was sitting on the donkey going down, and they told his followers to stop, right? Stop, they're calling you God, they're calling you things. He says, don't let them do that. And he says, I tell you the truth, that if I had them be quiet, even the rocks would cry out, right? The stones would cry out. Gives me cold chills when I talk about that. But even rocks, right, were made through him and by him and for him. You were created through him and by him and for him. Thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things, even the rulers and authorities and dominions that we don't like, were created by him and for him for purpose. You'll get that image with me a lot that I hold to a sovereign God because that's what he is. He's a sovereign God. Everything is sovereignly held together by him, including the cells of your body. If you've ever heard me preach, and people have heard me preach before, I say this a lot. You right now in this room just took in air, hopefully. Anyone? You all right? Right? Saturday, a little tired. You all just took in air into your lungs, right? And in your lungs, some of us better than others, your lungs took that air, right? And it broke that down in crazy chemicals, right? And then it enters into your bloodstream, and then those stream through your bloodstream by cells, and then it enters into all the parts of your body and into your brain. That was created by him. It's crazy. Your breath. Your breath that you just brought in, his, created by him and for him, and you're using it. That's always what an older preacher once told me, that that's why when people would curse God, it would make him shudder. Because they would take in breath created by him and for him into their lungs and exhale it through their vocal box and curse the God that made them. And he said, just made it worse. I was like, oh, that's good. That's real good. Right? All things made by him. And this is where it gets even more interesting. And he is before all things. Sometimes our kids have to be taught this. Sometimes adults have to be taught this. I've been in a lot of debates with even whole churches that don't believe this, that Jesus is eternal. That Jesus has always been there, always has been. That somehow we believe that Jesus was the firstborn of all creation is what it says, but he was always there. We have this imagery that at one point in history, God was very lonely and he needed friends. So he created us. No. (laughs) No. Man, he could have created better friends. We're awful, right? The worst verse, I'm telling you, the worst verse in all scripture, and, I, and it's one of the worst verses, I, I always pains me to read it, and it comes out of Genesis, and it's talking about when before God is getting ready to flood the earth, right? And it says it pained him to his heart that he created us. And I was like, ooh, right? But he's still good, and he still loves us. But within all those things, God did not create us through Christ and for Christ for fellowship. He doesn't need fellowship. He has the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they were perfect together from all time. From all eternity, they have perfect fellowship, perfect togetherness from all time. He didn't need us. He still doesn't need us. I told you before last week that somehow we, some of us get attitudes like when we become Christians or something, we have this kind of haughtiness to us where we're like, I'm pretty awesome. Of course he wants me on his team. I have a lot to add, right? No, you don't. 
right? We're made for him and by him, and it's enough. That's incredible as it is, that the living God of all creation created you for him, and that's crazy. That should fill your cup for the rest of your life, just that alone. should fill it up and let it overflow just that. And he is the head of the body, the church. Now, this is exopository, exegetical preaching. We're going verse by verse, line by line, word by word, explaining what the text says, right? He is the head of the body, the church. Who's the church? Hey, right? You're the church, and he's the head, not me, not the pope, right? It's not the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church, and the church is also called the bride, right? Some of the ladies always get mad because some of the language in the English translations says a lot about brothers and that sort of stuff and the sons and I always had to tell them that in the translation it includes male and female and I said don't get mad because it calls me a bride all the time right it calls me that but we're the bride and he is the head of the church he's he upholds everything including what we do here that's why I harp so much on what the bible says about church function and why we do things that we do is because he's the head and he gave us instruction for it it's not like we're doing this blindly. We have everything we need in Scripture, and he's the head of it. So no man or anyone can walk out and say, this is how the church needs to be done, because we say, well, no, does it align with Scripture because he's the head. He's the great shepherd. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. First, top of the chain, number one. Christ is number one in everything. He was the firstborn among the dead. None of you here have died and came back, right? Some of you are like, yes, me, I, I seen the light. No, I'm not talking about that. Jesus died, was put in the tomb, and he was raised back to life. He's the firstborn from the dead. You and I will die. Bummer. I know we're getting there, right? Unfortunately, even myself, the more I go into cemeteries, that born date is getting closer to my date, right? That's weird. But it's what it is. We're all going to die. All of us will die. And hopefully, this is how I teach end time stuff. I said whether you go to him or he comes to us, that's it, right? (laughs) Whether or not. But for us as Christians, him being preeminent, you don't die to something we don't know. We don't leave this place and go somewhere that we don't know where we're headed or what's going on in the great expanse or any of that sort of thing. We know who we're going to. He's there first. He was there. He still is there. He is preeminent first among all things. Everything that you do every day, he's first. Always first. Everything, all the time, first. Amen. When it goes further into that, he says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. The fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things. Christ creates all things through himself, for himself, by himself, and those things that have done those were sinners. Did you know even the good things you do aren't good? This is controversial. So controversial. People do not like this. When you do something good, how do you feel? Do you feel horrible? Do you just feel just nasty when you do something nice for somebody? No. How do you feel? You feel good. That's why we live in a culture today that I can go on YouTube right now and there's a thousand videos of some teenage kid giving a homeless guy 20 bucks going, hey, 
because they want everyone else to see, like, look at me, how good I am, and I feel good about it. Here's the thing. Jesus makes those things good. Because you've won your reward. Just in yourself, even your good things aren't good. Your good things are selfish because you feel good about it. You've got a reward from it. Even when you didn't get anything from the person you helped, you felt good. Right? So you've got a reward. But in Christ, even those things are good. He reconciles all things to himself, including things that we don't think are good. Tragedies. Tragedies that happen in our... Unfortunately, with the way the news works, people say that all the world's getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Wrong. Wrong. My master's in history tells me that we live in the, one of the most peaceful times that's ever existed. Do you know that? Right now, on our planet, there is less death, less sickness, less murder, less anything than any point in all human history. And it's just getting better. You say, well, the news tells me otherwise. Well, yeah. You know why? Because we have, again, we have a phone in our pocket, and when something happens in China, you hear about it, how fast? Now! Where before it took like a, like a boat <laughs> to get to you, right? Scripture does not point to some imagery, in, and it used to drive me nuts when I was a kid because I would go to church, and these pastors would give me this image that the earth is just going to hell in a handbasket, and the only thing you can do is handcuff yourself to the church steeple and just hold on, Right? And nowhere in Scripture is that. Did you know that? Nowhere in Scripture does it say that. In Scripture it says that Christ is victorious and he's redeeming all things to himself. That he is bringing all things to the way that they should be. Right? That we are ushering in this new kingdom. That we are ushering in Christ's kingdom. That doesn't sound like the Left Behind series. That's not biblical. Ooh, that'll, that'll cause me some trouble. Not biblical. It's not. Christ is victorious. Right? He is what it says in Scripture. He's reconciling all things to himself. All things to himself. Even the wickedest tragedies that we see. And you say, well, I don't see how God can be good in these tragedies. You may not see it. You may not ever see how it was good or what good came of that. doesn't matter. Scripture says that he will make those things good out of that. See how a, a biblical view, a, a, a view of Scripture, a high view of Scripture changes the way your rudder works in your life. It changes everything. A view of the sovereignty of God in all things, of all things, reconciling all things to himself. You just walk around with a smile on your face. In tragedy, in pain, because we know who Christ is. We know who he is and what he is and what he's doing and how the earth looks in that view. It's awesome. It's awesome. That's why, again, in the first century, Paul would go in to preach, right? They would say, stop talking about Jesus or we'll beat you to death. And he goes, eh. Mm. What did you do? Because he knew who Christ was. It shocked them to their core for when the brothers were told not to preach about Christ, and they said, we'll beat you. And they said, do what you must, but we can't talk about what we've seen and heard. And they literally beat them. They beat them right there in the court. And then when they left the court, they drug out, and they were like, man, that was awful. I can't believe that happened. They didn't do that, by the way. Scripture says they walked out of the courts, and they raised their hands to the sky and says, they were just yelling, 
saying how blessed they were that they were counted worthy to be part of the, the sufferings of Christ. And everybody looked at them like, bunch of weirdos. That's not what happens when we do this. And they said, no, we know who Christ is. We know who you are and what our job is. You can't stop us. I read letters, letters over a thousand years old when I was in seminary. Blew my mind. One by a certain guy called Pliny the Elder. And I would encourage you to read Pliny the Elder. And Pliny the Elder died on a boat um, during a volcanic eruption. Right? And Pliny the Elder wrote a letter to one of his colleagues about Christians. And he says, they can't be bribed. They don't lie. They don't steal. Who are these people? Right? Who are they? We can't do anything to them. Nero set a bunch of us on fire for a dinner party once. That happened. And guess what? We didn't run and scurry away. We didn't do any of those things. What had happened was is where they would take six or seven, ten, twenty of us and put us in prison, six thousand would grow. And they go, we can't stop this train. They say, of course you're not. Jesus is reconciling all things to himself. You can't stop that. You can't. Woe is a worldview of a church that preaches on Sunday, woe, handcuff yourself to the pew. It's not going to get any better. That's not how Christians behave biblically. Not with cancer, not with persecution. I watch brothers and sisters in Christ in China, they get arrested to go into retraining camps or a camp to be re-educated, and they wear extra clothes because they want a change of clothes when they get to jail. And then once they get to jail, they preach the gospel to the jailers just like Paul did. It's crazy. Reconciling all things to themselves. Smile with everything. Further, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless above reproach before him. You alienated and hostile in mind. My son is alienated and hostile in mind. You say, no, he's not. Look at the sweet little boy. He's got them little glasses. He's so cute. That boy's a sinner. Look, no, he is. But here's the thing. So are you, and so are your children. They're sinners. People don't like that. I got in a conversation one time with a lady. She said, no, they're not. They're little innocent babies. And I, I always tell them the same story, that if that infant, if you've had babies, they're selfish. Did you know that? They want to eat, and they want to eat now. They don't care what you got to do. And if they had the strength of a man or a full-grown woman, they would beat you for the food that you had in your hand. You aren't some perfect flower. That's what we preach today, though. You are perfect. You're individual. You're just like a snowflake, and it's just beautiful. And if anyone tells you different, shame on them. No, the Bible says that you are wicked in mind and heart. Your children... Lo, I was born in the sin from my mother's womb, is what it says. From my mother's womb. Some of you will feel that more than others when the two-year-old or the two-month-old cries every hour, right, through the night. Now, we love them, but we're sinners. I would encourage you to find some sort of age of accountability in Scripture. And now we're getting deep into theology. We're like, well, how does that work? God is a good father, and that's how that works, right? We can talk more about that. But you're a sinner, I'm a sinner. Our children are sinners. The neighbors across the street are sinners. The sweet old lady who gave you cookies when you moved in to your new home is a sinner. Shock. 
right? My grandmother is very sweet, right? She came from Germany in 1946. She was very sweet, but she was a sinner, right? She's in the nursing home right down the road. I encourage you to visit. You'll see, (laughs) right? You'll see. She's a sinner. We're all sinners. But if that was the end of the story, that would be horrible and wretched and awful and nasty. But God in his great mercy and his good, great love for us, it says, even though we are alienated and hostile in mind, meaning that we were hostile to who? God, in your thoughts, in your doing, in your deeds. If I were to take your thoughts just today, from the time you woke up today to the time you walked in here, and I projected them on this screen right here, you would crawl underneath a chair. You would. You would. Guess what? I would too. It was so busy out today. We had errands to run. I tell you, it might as well be Manhattan around here anymore. It's crazy, right? But if I were to project them up there on the screen, you would feel it. You would see it. You're hostile. And even your mind, you're hostile. Your thoughts. Jesus himself said that you don't even have to commit adultery. You just got to look at somebody and you committed adultery. He says you don't got to murder somebody. You just got to look at somebody with hate in your heart and you killed them. How many people you killed? Right? That's how wicked we are. But again, if that was the end of the story and that was all it was, woe to us. But that isn't the end of the story. He is reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you, you, me, all of us, our children, our grandchildren, our neighbors, the 93-year-old sweet lady down the road, reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present us, you, them, holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Above reproach. Are you above reproach? No. No. Some of you say, you don't know me. I am. No. You're not above reproach. I'm not. And we'll talk about that. Will the elders say in Timothy and Titus that you have to be above reproach? Yes. Meaning you seek towards that. There's no way. No one's above reproach. Only in Christ can you be above reproach. God cannot look upon sin in his presence. It's in there. He can't. Jesus takes you into that body on the cross that now you may be presented. I love the translation from the Greek to the English of that. Presented blameless. You're being presented to God in Christ. If, stop right there. If I could put a wall right there. If. All that beautiful stuff I just talked about. If, indeed, you continue in the faith. And you'll say, but Pastor Josh, we said and you said that you can't lose your salvation. Can't lose your salvation. Can't. Can't. Provided you were saved in the first place. Provided you knew him in the first place. People are good pretenders. That's what the word Greek word hypocrite means, actor. Did you know that? That's what hypocrite is. It's Greek for actor. We like to act. Provided that you do know Christ, provided that you're in Christ, you will have hills and valleys and ups and downs, and you will be sent and reconciled in that body above reproach if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. If you continue on. How do you continue on? Well, you can't continue on. The Bible says you can't do anything on your own. You can't. 
I just talked to you about breath in the very beginning of the sermon. You can't even breathe on your own. If God sucked the oxygen right out, right, all the gases in our planet that keep life alive, if he just sucked that right out, you're not going to go, I can do it by myself. It's on him. The sun. I love this image, too, by the way, in Revelation. The sun. Think about, think about this just for a second with me. Think about what the sun does. As much as I hate the sun, right? Some of you don't agree. Sorry. It's awful. You might as well, you know, ugh. Winter and falls where it's at. Sorry. Um, but imagine what all the sun does for us. What does the sun do for us? Everything. Do you know that? Without it, we die. The sun does everything. Everything. We get oxygen, we get food, we get plants, we get life, we get water, we get everything from the sun. And without that sun, we get nothing. And the image that we get in Revelation is that in that new kingdom that comes down, that now that we will be with and inherited in Christ for all eternity, he removes the sun. He takes it away. But we need that. He says, I'll be your son. He says, I'm your son now. I uphold all things. I reconcile all things. I do all things. How do you stand steadfast in the faith in Christ? How do you, that if that we see in 23, if indeed you continue in the faith, how does that work? Christ. Christ, Scripture, all those things we talked about last week, right? Saved by grace alone and faith alone and Christ alone through Scripture alone for the glory of God alone. All those things keep us stable and steadfast and will keep us from shifting from the hope of the gospel that we heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. That's amazing. The preeminence of Christ in all things can't be something that we look at smallly, tiny. Your Jesus can't be this big, your will this big. Your Jesus is everything, and you are nothing. That's how you walk and breathe and move in life. I don't do anything. I'm preaching right now, and it's the only job on the planet that I can take no credit for. Did you know that? can't take any credit for this. He does that. Your breath, take no credit for it. Your bloodstream and your body, you take no credit for it. You can take credit for clogging it up. <laughs> Whether you eat or drink, do all things to the glory of God. All right, that's rough. Can't eat Cheetos to the glory of God, that's hard. Um, very hard. But in Christ, our view of Christ has to be the same view of Scripture. Firstborn of the dead, image of the invisible God. All things were created in heaven on earth, visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things created through him and for him. That's Christ that we live under, and that is our shepherd, our head shepherd, our lead shepherd. In all things, not just on Saturday night or Sunday, right? Because I'm going to tell you this as I close, and I'm closing. Sunday isn't enough. Your one hour or two hours, if I'm preaching four to five on Sunday, is not enough. 
It was never enough. It's not enough. It's not. It can't be enough if this is the God whom we worship and the Christ who the Scripture says he is. It's not enough. That's why we dive deep into this and we don't wade a toe in. We dive deep into the faith, into Bible, into Scripture, into these things because he's worthy of those things. Because that's what the image of Christ is in Scripture. So do not let Saturday tonight and Sunday tomorrow, right, hinder your images of Christ or even what you're going through at this very moment. Christ is worthy of all praise and glory, and he's worthy to be held to the stance and to who he is at all times. And it's going to make you do this. You have to preach it to yourself every day. Every day you have to preach it to yourself. I get up in the morning and I have to preach it to myself who I am, who Christ is, and what goes on in this day or what doesn't go on in this day does not matter as long as I know who we are together. doesn't matter. doesn't matter what phone call I get, who gets in the hospital, who doesn't go in the hospital. I have a funeral on Saturday. I'm burying someone on Saturday. A young lady, too. Right, we like to put that stuff aside and not think about that kind of stuff because it hurts our image, hurts our life image, where really we need to tackle those things head on in order that you may live, right? That you may live a life under Christ that looks like what we look like the past 2,000 years plus. That's what we ought to look like. And we look that way by looking at this Christ and who he is. He's worthy of it. He's worthy of it. Let me pray for you. Father God, we thank you for the preeminence. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for that cross that you took that we might know you, Lord. And we thank you for our cross. Lord, you tell us in your word that we must take up our cross daily. Lord, let us walk the path that you walk, knowing who you are in your preeminence, in your eternal glory, and how that translates into our daily lives. Lord, this life is but a vapor, as you tell us. It is like the flower of the field that is here today and gone tomorrow. Let us look to the eternal things and the one who upholds those things. Lord God, you are holy and righteous and worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be delved deep into your word. You are worthy of all our thoughts and thinking. You are worthy of all those things. You are the only one worthy. So Lord, we ask for help. Because we know that we can't do it on our own. We can't even breathe on our own. And Lord, we know from your word that you say that you will help us in these times to help us grow. And that's what we seek. We seek your face. And it's in Jesus' name we all said, Amen.